You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Birmingham United Kingdom. Cheyenne Downer was born to a drug-addicted mother and her father was in prison. This little girl fought for her life with high amounts of heroin in her system at birth and was in intensive care for five days, and then in foster care where she thrived and grew into a happy and healthy toddler. Ten months later, in January 2015, Cheyenne would be given to Candace Downer, a mother of four and a distant relative by marriage to Cheyenne's father. Downer changed the baby's name from Cheyenne to Keegan. Cheyenne was no more. And eight months after that, Keegan would be dead. Dead with facial injuries that one pathologist likened to what you would generally only see from a victim of a high-speed car crash. And with a spiral leg fracture that would have caused the 18-month-old baby excruciating pain from only the slightest movement. This is a horrific story of child abuse and murder and child protective services that had so many red flags. If only they took notice and this little girl's life could have been saved. This is Keegan's story. Oh, yeah. 18-month-old Keegan Downer was described in court as a happy baby and toddler. This is Keegan just weeks before what the jury was told would have been an excruciating death. She had more than 150 injuries, including a broken leg and seven broken ribs. And the person who did it was her legal guardian, 35-year-old Candice Downer. She was an extended family member and had agreed to take Keegan in months before. Cheyenne Rose Gigi Downer was born March 9, 2014, and she would immediately be transferred into the neonatal intensive care unit. She was born premature and low weight, with high amounts of heroin found in her system. It would be here where Cheyenne would fight for her life for five days. Cheyenne's mother, whose name has never been released publicly, had struggled with a long history of heroin addiction and mental health issues. She had previously spent time in prison. Unfortunately, she had used throughout her pregnancy, and so little Cheyenne was born addicted and would suffer the intense pain from withdrawing making her struggle to survive those first few days that much harder. Cheyenne's father, David Downer, had been convicted of drug smuggling a month before his daughter's birth, and he was serving an eight-year sentence. The couple already had five other children removed from their care due to alcohol and drug abuse, and sadly because they hadn't made any effort in making those necessary steps to get these children back, The children's social care made arrangements only minutes after Cheyenne's birth to find a foster home for this child as well. And so, at only six days old, Cheyenne was placed into the care of an experienced foster carer, Jane Murray, where she would spend the next ten months of her life. In Jane's care, Cheyenne thrived, being described as a happy and healthy baby. Despite the difficult start in life, the only physical problem she had was some minor eczema. 
Medical assessments during this time showed Cheyenne was developing normally. She was a deliciously chubby baby that ate everything. She was learning to walk and would sit and play with her toys, giggling and smiling. Pictures from her time with Jane show a happy and beautiful baby, with the biggest, most gorgeous dark brown eyes you have ever seen. How anyone could even consider hurting this baby, any baby, it's something regardless how many of these stories I do, I can never get my head around it. And when you see the pictures of these beautiful babies like Cheyenne, you cannot help but get this desire, this maternal protective instinct that you want to save them. How you wish you could save them. How I wish I could buy a massive property and take all of these babies and show them the love and nurture them to grow into these amazing adults. But we all know that's not possible. A pipe dream. As we know from previous stories, child services do prefer to place children with family. And in the United Kingdom, they have sort of a halfway point between foster care and adoption called Special Guardianship Orders, or SGOs, as we'll call them for the rest of this episode. SGOs allow more freedom for the carer because they don't need to seek permission for medical treatment or schooling. But it's also cheaper for the government than formal adoption. And SGOs are preferred over adoption in certain circumstances, like if the child is older, if the biological parents are involved, due to cultural biases, or like in Cheyenne's case, if they're going to live with family or someone already known to the child. Now, this is curious because Cheyenne was removed from birth and had no relationship with her extended family. In fact, her mother specifically requested for this to be the case. She didn't want to remain in this baby's life. Her siblings didn't want to be in Cheyenne's life either. And while all of this is particularly heartbreaking, why was none of this considered when deciding who was best suited to care for this little girl? The Children's Social Care, or CSC, as we'll call them for the remainder of this episode. They focused on one particular application for Cheyenne, and that was Negus Downer and 35-year-old Candace Downer. And Negus was the cousin of Cheyenne's father, David. The couple already had four children aged between 16 and 3 years old. But while the SGO was being approved, Negus and Downer would separate. Despite this, and Downer being a single parent now with a house full of children, it was agreed in September 2014 that Downer would become the guardian of Cheyenne. But this was not an easy process. Downer showed so many red flags during these early days of the SGO, before she even had Cheyenne. Enough of a concern that I don't know how the CSC allowed this to actually happen. Her first visitation with Cheyenne was cancelled. Cancelled because Downer wanted more funding to take this little girl. Not only that, she said her car was no longer suitable and she needed a new one before she could take on Cheyenne. And not only would she cancel this visit, but she would refuse to even see the girl until they agreed to her demands basically for higher weekly income and finance for a new car. Which for reasons that astound me, they would agree and Downer would start with visitation with Cheyenne in late 2014. Over a period of months, Cheyenne had a number of overnight stays with Downer, and she would tell Cheyenne's foster carer Jane Murray that the little girl would sleep throughout the night. This surprised Jane because Cheyenne always woke up at least once during the night. 
But this wasn't all Jane questioned, because after these overnight stays, Cheyenne's happy personality became flat. Quote, It would take her a while to start smiling again and return to her usual self. Unquote. All of this was worrying to Jane, and she would contact CSC to voice her concerns over Downer's true motivation for wanting Cheyenne. CSC wouldn't listen, though, and a date of January 30th, 2015 was set for Cheyenne to go live with Downer and her children. In the days before Cheyenne went to live with Downer, she would fail to change the baby's name because, quote, all of the female children in my care have the first name starting with K, which gives all the children a sense of identity and connection with each other, unquote. This request would be approved, and Cheyenne would become Keegan. Cheyenne was no more, and eight months after that, Keegan would be dead. Downer would be paid a lump sum initially of £3,000 and given Keegan's birth certificate. She would also receive a weekly amount of £125 to care for the little girl. Very little is known of what life was like for Keegan after she was placed with Downer. There is actually no record of her really after the last home visit on April 1st. Honestly, I feel there was too much focus during all of this on the carer of Keegan, not the effect this was all having on Keegan herself. It was almost like she was lost in the shuffle, and that would prove to be her demise. Downer enrolled Keegan into daycare while she was in studies for her business degree, but would remove her in June of 2015, meaning that this little girl was basically invisible from everyone outside her little bubble. August 8, 2015. Downer hosted a barbecue to celebrate her birthday and to announce she was five months pregnant with her fifth child. And who the father is, I'll put a pin in that and come back to that in a moment. But everyone who was there would later tell investigators in the court that they noticed a major change in the inquisitive and friendly toddler. One of Downer's family members took a photo that would later be used in court. It showed red marks on Keegan's neck. Downer would tell everyone that Keegan had done this to herself from scratching her eczema. But it wasn't only this. Keegan would spend the day sitting on the grass alone, not moving and staring at the fence. All the while, Downer would ignore her. What stood out to everyone was that Keegan was not seen crawling as she had been seen doing constantly before. Anyone who has or have had a toddler around Keegan's age, 18 months, We'll know they're always on the move and getting into all sorts of mischief. It is an amazing age. But Keegan wasn't that day and had to be carried everywhere. It is unclear when the violence against Keegan started, but investigators do believe it started around the time Downer found out she was pregnant in late June 2015, two months before the fated barbecue. Downer had met her latest baby daddy four years earlier when they worked together at a delivery firm, Yodel. The issue being the man was already married and the two started an affair. I'm going to make a call here and say this may have contributed to why Downer's own marriage ended. But when she told this new man she was pregnant with his baby, he didn't want anything to do with her or the pregnancy. And it is believed she took out this frustration on baby Keegan. What is clear here, this was not a one-time occurrence. There seemed to have been systematic and constant abuse against this little girl. Violence Downer would later blame on her eldest child, who was 17 years old at the time. 
Dana would later argue it couldn't be her because her eldest child, along with the other three children, did all the day-to-day care of Keegan. Because she was just too tired from being pregnant and from her medication for hypertension or high blood pressure. Saturday, September 5th, 2015, according to Downer. She claimed she left 18-month-old Keegan at home alone while she dropped her eldest daughter off at a wedding rehearsal where she was going to be a bridesmaid. It is not clear how long she would be gone. According to Downer, she was gone an hour and a half and that's when she realised Keegan was unresponsive. According to Downer, she was gone an hour and a half and that's when she realised Keegan was unresponsive. And she called 999 immediately, but we know now this is not true. Yes, Downer did come home after leaving a toddler at home alone for an extended period of time. Yes, Downer did discover little Keegan unresponsive and not breathing. But she didn't call 999. No. Instead, she gathered up Keegan's blood-spotted mattress and pillow, a baby grow and pyjamas, placing the smaller items in a garbage bag. Damning CCTV footage captured Downer dumping these items in a skip at the side of the road before returning and replacing Keegan's bedding with new sheets she had bought only days earlier, or before calling 999 for the paramedics just before 10am. This is part of her 999 call to West Midlands Ambulance. And she's, she's not breathing at all? No. OK, help's been arranged, OK? What I need you to do is to Ooh. keep calm for me. Chest is rising, but nothing's happening. OK. No, I don't know. I think she's opening her eyes. I don't know. Is that them there now? In this CCTV, you can see the ambulance arriving. But there is earlier, more damning CCTV. At the top left of the screen here, Downer is leaving the house to dispose of Keegan's blood-stained bedding. Here, she dumps it at the side of the road. Paramedics arrived at the home on Beckbury Avenue in Birmingham only four minutes later. Downer would tell them, quote, I don't know when she stopped breathing because I was in the bath, unquote. A strange comment to make given she wasn't even home. I hope this was not true. That she didn't come home knowing this baby was dead and then had a relaxing bath. Paramedics discovered Keegan with no pulse and in cardiac arrest. She was rushed to Birmingham Children's Hospital, where doctors worked hard yet again to save this baby's life. However, it was quickly evident resuscitation wasn't working, rigor mortis had already set in, and Keegan was pronounced dead at 10.21am. During resuscitation efforts, doctors noticed the little girl had many injuries in various stages of healing, injuries that were obviously not accidental. The autopsy would show over 200 separate injuries, There was barely a place on Keegan's tiny body where there wasn't a bruise, scar or broken bone. Looking at Keegan's autopsy report, it's difficult to know where to start. Remember, Keegan was only 18 months old and at the time of her death, she weighed only 17 and a half pounds. On average, Keegan should have been almost double that at her age. Her cause of death was determined to be from blunt force chest trauma, an old head injury and a bacterial infection. This poor baby would have suffered considerably in the last days of her life. Let's break these injuries down. Keegan had seven broken ribs, 153 scars that covered every inch of her body, a fractured left leg that had been already broken several times previously, but the most recent was only weeks earlier. 
facial injuries that were described as the worst Minnie had ever seen. One pathologist said her bones had been subjected to the kind of force usually experienced in a high-speed car crash. A spiral fracture to her left thigh that caused her leg to be half an inch shorter than the other. An injury that even the slightest movement would have been absolute agony for this baby. Most brutal was her brain injury. Keegan's brain showed signs of irreversible damage. Her brain was covered in scar tissue that caused constant pressure and basically stopped her brain from growing. What that would have meant for Keegan's future? Well, if she hadn't been killed when she did. Keegan would have regressed further in her development. We know she already showed signs of this from the witness reports from the family barbecue a month earlier, with the previous toddling little girl not even crawling anymore. Doctors at the hospital found Dana's behaviour as unusual, in that she didn't really pay attention to what was going on, and she only asked repeatedly if she was going to get into trouble. Based on Keegan's injuries that could not have been accidental, Dana was arrested at the hospital that day. She would be interviewed ten times by investigators, and every time she would deny hurting Keegan in any way. Quote, I accept I had full responsibility of the care of Keegan, in exercising my responsibility. I have looked after and cared for Keegan like my own child. Unquote. But she refused to make any other comment than that. Kentice Downer would be shortly after charged with both murder and causing or allowing the death of Keegan Downer. April 2016. Candace Downer's trial would commence for the murder of Keegan, a trial that ultimately lasted three weeks with testimony from family, neighbours and medical professionals, all against Downer but all who would say that Dana was an exceptional mother to her four biological children. Throughout the trial, Dana's case was that she did not cause any of the injuries, remember, it had to be her kid's fault, and that she never noticed any unusual pain or discomfort in Keegan at all. Something that prosecution would say was ridiculous. Given the catalogue of injuries sustained by Keegan, she would have been screaming and crying constantly, but neighbours never noticed anything. One of them, James Golden, said until he heard that Keegan had died, he'd been unaware of her existence at all. And Kelly Bragg, a neighbour who sold cosmetics to Downer and visited the home occasionally, she thought it was odd that she never saw the baby when she visited. May 2016. Candace Downer was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum term of 18 years. In sentencing, Mrs. Justice Frances Patterson said, quote, It's a horrible tale of callous conduct, and at no stage have you shown any remorse. Why you change from a loving mother to a brutal attacker of a defenceless child is a mystery. Unquote. I can only describe her as barbaric, inhuman, and downright evil for the injuries that she inflicted on uh, Keegan. It really does play my mind that the amount of suffering that Keegan must have been going through the last months and days of her life. What mystified police is that Downer has been apparently a good mother to her four natural children. In court, she suggested the only person who could have hurt Keegan was her 17-year-old son. But the jury saw through it and, eight months after her death, seen justice served on Keegan's killer. There was no family present for Keegan to give a victim impact statement. 
No family there to see some justice being served, even though in my book, 18 years is only a portion of Keegan's life that she will never get the chance to live. Stolen from her by the person entrusted to care for her. Just like we see so many times. Too many times. When is enough going to be enough? I wish I had that answer. Who was there for Keegan was the lead investigator in her case. Detective Inspector Harry Harrison. He would front the media after the trial to give a statement on behalf of the nation whose heart was broken by this case. Quote, This is an extremely disturbing and harrowing case to investigate. What Downer subjected Keegan to was barbaric, inhuman and evil. The death of one so young is always tragic, but it is horrifying to think of the amount of violence and suffering this young child must have endured in the last few months of her short life, in the hands of someone that she should have been able to trust. Unquote. Like we saw with the Logan Mwangi story, with any death of a child who was or is in the protective custody in the United Kingdom, under law there is required to be a safeguarding review to determine how or why this happened. And like with Logan's case, this report was damning, which it should be, given the number of high-risk children in Birmingham who had been killed by their carer. September 2003, seven-year-old Tony N. Byfield was shot by her father during a supervised visitation. May 2008, seven-year-old Kira Isaac was starved to death by her mother and stepfather. And January 2011, two-year-old Keanu Williams was beaten to death by his mother. The report found that Keegan should never have been placed with Downer because she wasn't family or known to the baby and therefore she didn't meet the criteria for the SGO. Quote, The review author is firmly of the opinion that if the SGO was to be awarded, which we don't believe it should have been, but then a supervision order should have been attached to it. Unquote. Meaning there should have been regular eyes on Keegan to ensure her needs were being met. As a direct result of this safeguarding review, the government must now have the final say over whether special guardianship orders are to be granted, tighter standards, and the thoughts of the current foster care are to be taken into consideration, which makes sense to me. They are the ones who would know the needs of the child best. These recommendations have been put into action, and time will only tell if these changes will make a difference. If you have your own thoughts and theories on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook, like the page so you don't miss an episode, and join the discussion group to talk about your thoughts and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, or on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Ali. Hosting and production was also by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Mayu.